gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run Hey, this is Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures TV. We have had a great run showing our love for dogs with our show, our podcast, our social media, and all that is based on Soggy Acres Retrievers. We proudly bring this podcast to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers and ask you if you are looking for training, boarding, or a yellow, black, or chocolate Labrador Retriever puppies, please check out SoggyAcres.com. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Fuller. And on today's show, I wanted to talk about the time investment that you have to put in before you even uh, take a bird or a deer uh, when you have property. I also wanted to talk about a good go kit for the health of your dog, so a, a med kit for your dog, and how early do you arrive to set decoys prior to the morning hunt. So I thought those would be the three topics for the day, and it should be some good conversation. If you have topics you want me to cover, please email me, sportingdogtv at gmail.com. Please also share this episode and all of the other episodes with your friends and family. Share it on social media. Share it in an email. Word of mouth. Help us grow a podcast that is meant for the dog lover and the hunter so that we can all have the sport get bigger and really enjoy it together. So again, today we're going to talk about the time commitment. When you have property or you have the boat or you're the guy that everyone wants to hunt with, uh, you are constantly struggling trying to get help. People basically remember your phone number once you get into September through December, but for other reasons, they just don't have time when it's summer and spring. Usually it's summer. Everyone's got a busy schedule. People are looking at it going, I just don't have time to help. So if you're going to have a successful season, then it's always going to fall onto one or two people. And this is what folks don't understand. When they look at the reasons why people don't hunt with a lot of others, it's because it kind of comes down to the point where you're like, you know what? I can't get everything ready. It's a full-time job damn near to get everything ready if we look at full-time job for weekends on hunting. And you're putting in all of your time. So you get to the point where you're like, screw it. You know what? Fine. It's just me. Just me. Just my kids. Just the people that helped. And I think it's it, it's something that people just don't realize the time. So I thought I would go through the amount of time that it takes. And I can go through the amount of days that I have had this year for working on our stuff. Now, I have two different properties. I'm very fortunate to own two properties, but they're both marsh properties. So great thing. Marsh is cheap. Marsh is also difficult to get around on. It is brutal when you're trying to work on stuff because you are in mud, water, floating cattails, and everything else. 
And it's not like you can just walk around and do stuff. You're not on dry land. So it is a tough go. When you look at working on stuff like that, the first thing you need is equipment. We have two Argos. The Argos, by the time a season where you're doing prep to the time a season is over, we'll need at least two services as far as getting things greased. Um, In Argo, the outer bearings need to be greased every 10 to 20 hours. The inner bearings every 60 to 80. So I'm pretty much at the point where I can do the outers twice, maybe three times, the inners once, and then you still have to change the oil. And if there's anything else wrong with it, you're going to have to address it. So when we do the maintenance on the Argos, you're looking at a full probably five hours to do oil change, inner bearings, outer bearings. So you got to pull tracks, put tracks back on, check the tires, get weeds off of the axles, all these different things. And then the second round where you're just doing the outer bearings, you still have to pull your tracks and your tires. You're still looking at probably three hours between the two machines. So you're looking at two different days that you are putting in some pretty backbreaking time. It doesn't seem like a lot. Maybe it's because I'm old, but you are putting in that time where you're bent over, working with impact wrenches, working with other wrenches, working with a grease gun. It's it's not that it's not that it's brutal work, but it does take a lot out of you. A lot of this is done during the hot times of the year, so you're looking at 90 degree temperatures while you're working on this stuff. It is something that really takes a lot of work. The same can be said when you have a boat. When you have a boat, you're always going to have to go through everything. There's always going to be a mouse that chewed your wiring. Your motor's going to need an upgrade. Your motor might need a tune-up. You might have to change oil in your motor, or you might have to change change out your, your carburetors. There's different things you're going to have to work on on this boat. And then you got to take it out for a test drive, make sure everything works, bring it back, fix stuff that didn't. So again, you're looking at multiple days. You've got a trailer to, to service. Again, as we're talking about all this work, we're not even talking about the financial commitment and what it costs. We're talking about just time. But again, financial commitment, yes, there is a great commitment there as well. With anything, you have to have it insured. You have to buy it. You have to maintain it. There's a lot of money involved as well. So when you look at equipment, if you are a field hunter, you've got a decoy trailer. You've got to go in. You've got to organize your decoy trailer. You've got axle bearings. You've got to all this different stuff you get your truck you got to take care of to get your 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 gear from one spot to another it is brutal with the amount of stuff you have to work on just to get it there in a normal year i would say my maintenance on my machines probably is going to run about $2000 uh this year it's more uh i've got a car trailer that i move my argos around and my tractor around that i use for food plots and the trailer needed $1,100 of repairs. It just basically fell apart, had to rebuild the axles, had to re- re- rebuild the wiring so we could get everything up to code. So keep that in mind when you're invited to someone's place. Keep that in mind that all this expense and time is going in there. Now, when we look at the next step in waterfall, uh, I had to bring all my decoys home. So of course, You'd like to say your stuff should be organized, but it never is because the end of the season gets there. You do your best, but it's always half-hearted or someone helping doesn't do their best. You got to bring your decoys home. You got to go through all your decoys, see if any of them have holes. Invariably with waterfall hunting, there's always going to be some holes in them. They're going to get shot. You got to see if you can maintain that decoy, if it will function. And 
If it doesn't, you got to replace it. I'm thinking, looking back on my stuff, if I want to have nice decoys, it's about every three years I'm going to be replacing my decoys. Now, you could paint them, but again, I'm not an artist. I suck at painting. Paint costs money. Time costs money. I'm just going to recycle through my stuff. I give my older decoys to newer hunters. They're still fine, but they're not up to the quality I want to have in the field. But again, you have to have your stuff so that it is up and ready to go. You got to make sure that it is rigged. You got to. I, I have a certain way that with the decoy weights that I wrap them around the keel so that they don't beat the hell out of each other. When you go from late season to like now where we're going into teal season, I separate all, all of my teal. I have them in one bag. As we get into later season, I'll throw in three or four teal to mix into my spread. And that is going to take at least a, at least a good two to four hours to go through your stuff. Get it bagged up. Get it so that it's all clean and get it so that it's ready. When you're looking at field hunting, now you're looking at hundreds of decoys. I'm talking about water hunting before. Field hunting, you're looking at hundreds of decoys. Again, you have to get all this stuff ready. You have to get all, all this stuff geared up. Make sure that you have the bases to put your field decoys down. Make sure that your field decoys are in good shape. There's so much that goes into it that you, when you're looking at a field decoy set, you're probably talking a full eight hours just to go through take it out of the trailer, put it back in the trailer organized so that at three in the morning when you're sticking your stuff out, you know where it is and making sure that it is ready. When you look at a decoy trailer, you're looking at probably a big trailer, $2,000 worth of gear if purchased, or not $2,000, uh, $20,000 worth of gear if it's all purchased new. I'm talking to really big trailers. If you got a buddy with a smaller trailer, it might be five to 10,000. That's still five to ten thousand dollars they purchased and put in that trailer. Now they have to maintain it. Your trailer needs to be maintained. Uh, I used to have a decoy trailer as well. You put miles on them. Oh my goodness! From everything from lights to the fenders would fall off from being in the in the fields to uh, issues with the tires. Having a uh, couple of spare tires I learned when you go on trips so that you make sure that you uh, you can get out of any pickle if there's not a, a, a service station close by and you lose a tire these are the things that 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 you look at with gear then you get into you know your guns your shells all that other stuff that that every hunter is gonna have to worry about because quite honestly you're probably not gonna find someone that's gonna borrow you that stuff but I have this year uh, one thing I can say I screwed up. I left my choke in. My gun wasn't wet, but the choke has rusted in. So I probably have to destroy that choke just to get it out and, and put it back in. So that's going to be a cost to me. Um, point being, uh, if, if you have, uh, if you if you duck hunt, take your choke out. I would uh, suggest every a couple times a year, make sure it's oiled. And what I'm going to do at the anytime future now is my chokes will all come out prior to uh, or at the end of the season as opposed to leaving them in so that they're not frozen and rusted in. So you get to that. Then we get to working on blinds. When we're out working on blinds, again, if you're working on duck blinds, my goodness, it can be incredibly, incredibly brutal. You are out there. It's mud. There's mosquitoes. There's sun. Uh, the one year we worked on a lot of our blinds this year was 90, 93 degrees about 142% humidity. It is just something that 
when you're doing it, it is fun to do with guys. But at the same time, I would prefer to be out on a lake floating, not doing anything but drinking a cold soda pop and getting sun. It is something that you want to make sure that you're offering helps, so that you're working with these people. It is brutal. So far this year, we've got two years on blind, or two days on blinds that we put in. The interesting thing always for me is during season, I'll have people that will suggest other things like, you know, you should really do this. You should really do that. Again, then you need to go and be proactive and help with that stuff because that stuff takes time. We've got 11 duck blinds. If I were to put primo cover on every one of my duck blinds, it would be a full-time summer job for me because most of the time it's doing it with one person helping. It is just too much. What I did with our duck blinds, I took a permanent solution to them. I took a fake looking cattail. It's probably not gonna look wonderful. It's not gonna look the best, but honestly, it comes down to, I just don't care anymore. It's gotta be to the point where I don't have to redo these every year because I just can't. So when I put on our cover, I think it looks good. It could look great, but it looks good. It is a late season color. It's a flat paint on top of these uh, fake uh, speed read cattails. And then I am going to, I, I went up and I knocked down the cover in front of the blinds and left about five to 10 feet of green cover, natural cover in front of the blinds so that as the season goes on and the brown becomes more prominent, the green will die off and then it'll have the natural look of what I have. When you are looking at your blinds, try to leave as much natural cover up in front. Don't even walk on it. We've done that in the past. You walk on the cover, you kill it, and then it completely falls apart on you. And then you're sitting there with a with your stick-built blind, all square, all in its square glory, sitting out there with no cover in front of it. This year we had low water, so it's kind of my chance I could redo things. We have a lot of good natural cover out in front of it. It is set. It is ready to go. I think the blinds will work good. I mean, it might just be that they're good enough, but they're going to work good enough for me for what we want so that we have it fixed not only this year, but in years future. My thought process is the speed read cover that I have on my blinds, I'm just going to need to touch it up with flat paint to keep it so that it's not too shiny and doesn't look like a Twinkie out in the marsh and do that as opposed to having to redo things every year. Uh, let's see, what else are we looking at here? We're looking at scouting. Uh, scouting, you want to put in a couple of days. You want to make sure that you at least find if there's birds there. Uh, we always do a little bit of scouting <laughs> this year. It's kind of funny. My scouting got cut short because I, I have uh, jury duty uh, the, the week before season. At least it wasn't the week of season. But when we get down to scouting, you want to make sure that you are putting in your time making sure there's birds in areas because you want to at least have a fighting chance when you go out there so you don't just sit and watch mosquitoes fly by. Uh, lastly, your motion decoys. It doesn't sound like a lot, but we have a lot of different motion decoys. Just the amount of batteries you have to buy. You're talking $50 in batteries. You also have to go through. you got to clean the terminals of, of those things. you got to make sure at the end of the season you don't leave batteries in. Uh, we had our flock of flickers. We actually adjusted a lot of the stuff on them. The little, uh, it's got a set screw and an adjustment for the uh, point that the little fin goes on. Uh, we thought a bunch were broke, but it actually was just they needed to be adjusted. It just takes time to work on that stuff, time to put that stuff in. 
not even looking at the amount of cost it is to buy that stuff. So again, this is our waterfall section. I'm actually going to leave the deer hunting part and what you need to put into on time with that for a later episode. But if you can imagine with deer hunting, you've got food plots, you've got stands, you've got trails, you've got scouting cameras. There's a lot there as well. So I'm going to leave that for now. And we're running really long after going through what goes into waterfall hunting. Point being, help out. If you're going to hunt with someone, you got to offer to help and you got to insist to help because at a point, if you don't, it's going to be where you aren't invited again. Just because there's always going to be someone else that wants to help. Uh, there's always going to be someone else that is offering. And even if it's not, then it'll come down to where you have less spots and maybe the person just hunts by themselves or with one other buddy. But you want to make sure that you're offering to help so that you're part of not just the fun of the hunt, but honestly the fun of getting ready because it is fun if you have a good group, a, a good crew. It is fun to work on stuff. So that would be my, my message to you on getting ready for the hunt. Next, we are going to talk about a med kit or a go kit for your dogs that you can have along uh, if you are on a trip or even hunting nearby your house. We also want to talk in our last part about um, what time you get out to set your decoys and how much time you have for it to rest uh, prior to shooting time. All that and more coming up after this. Our great fans of the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, we are growing at an astronomical rate and I want to thank you all. I do ask one thing from you. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Please give us a thumbs up follow us, subscribe to us on whatever other platforms you're on. And the most important thing I can ask, share our podcast with your friends so that we can grow our love for the dogs and dogs in the field and make it so that people are more involved in our sport. Again, thank you so much for being listeners. Take care. Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures and Soggy Acres Retrievers. In our house, my wife hates having the plastic kennels and wire crates. We need them for the dogs because we have times when they need to be put somewhere. But she cannot stand the look. So we talked to DCT Kennels and we now have a new partnership with them for a product that is a crate but also a piece of furniture. If you want something that is practical as well as great looking, check out DCT Kennels. Welcome back to the show. We are going to talk about a medical kit for your dog in this section. It's something we do every year. I actually am going to do it every year because someone told me I need to do it every year. Uh, one of our listeners said that uh, he always likes to hear what we have in our med kit. So I have a lot of dogs. It gives me the ability to accumulate a lot of stuff. I always had a good med kit, and especially when I went on trips where we were filming in more remote areas, whether it was in Canada or the U.S., you want to make sure that you have stuff so that, one, if it's an emergency, you can hopefully give the dog enough care to get it to a vet. And two, there are a lot of things where if a vet's not, you know, if a vet's four or five hours away, you want to be able to handle yourself. So these are the things that you want to look at. 
Uh, first thing I always tell people you want to have is the ability to clean a wound as well as something to put on it. Triple antibiotic works. I uh, use something called Blue Coat, uh, which you can get a farm and barn store. It's usually in the horse section, but it's for horse and dogs. It's a coating antiseptic uh, that doesn't taste good. So if they do get a bandage off, hopefully they won't lick it. You want to have gauze. You want to have vet wrap or horse wrap. Now, that is great because it keeps pressure on something, but if not pulled too tight, it doesn't cut off circulation. It is a great thing that you can put on a dog so that you can keep everything in place without having to tape to their fur. You want to have tape in case you have a dog that is pulling the vet wrap off that you can put around them. Duct tape does work, but holy cow, does that take a lot of hair off? So if you can get like a, uh, an athletic tape, that would be better. Uh, you want to have gauze, again, big enough that it can cover a big area. Uh, and you want to make sure that you have that for the, the, the vet wrap for direct pressure for wounds. Uh, I always had a stapler and still have a stapler along with me so that I can staple their, their, their hide together if I have an issue. Uh, the other thing that you, you want to have is a shaver so you can shave an area to clean it. Uh, let's see. Antibiotics. I always have cephalexin, amoxicillin, and metronidazole. Cephalexin is for a surface infection. Amoxicillin is for a more in-the-body infection. And metronidazole is for a GI tract infection. Um, so when you look at it, dogs get cuts, they get poked, and they drink and eat nasty stuff. That should at least get you so that you have something to give them so that it doesn't get worse and probably will improve. I always have 10 days worth of each of those medications. I have Remadol or Carprofen, that's the generic name for it, that is for body aches. Uh, I have Tramadol along, that is for a higher level of pain. I believe it is a scheduled drug though, so you're gonna wanna talk to your vet about that. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else we have. Again, just having stuff to keep it clean. Uh, Visine, if you're doing uh, upland hunting so that you can clean out their eyes from seeds or even if you're hunting waterfall where it's a very seedy area habits that you can get their eyes cleaned out uh, like an eye wash uh, you're going to want to have an ear wash you're going to want to have an antifungal like automax for your ears if dogs are in the water a lot you should always wash their ears and then if they start to get an infection you want to be able to address it uh, and I always take the old cone of shame along just in case I need it if the dog has a wound that they need to stay away from and they won't leave it alone. Um, that's pretty much what I have in my go kit or dog kit. It should cover most things that you're going to have as issues. And then you can... From there, uh, if you need something more, you're going to want to seek a vet. And that would be the other thing. If you're going to an area, do a quick Google search. Know where the local vets are. Know how to find one. Uh, not necessarily that you have to call them ahead of time, but make sure that you know an area like where the vets are. Vets are pretty common. We're a dog crazy world. There are a lot of uh, dogs out there, so there, obviously then there's a lot of vets. But have that set now so that when a you have an accident or emergency, you can react in the best manner possible so that you're not putting your dog at risk. So that is the med kit part for our dog section of the podcast. 
Next up, we are going to talk about how early you get out to your spot and when you set decoys for a waterfall hunt coming up after this. Jeff Fuller again from Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. When you look at hunting, you need to have yourself prepared. Our good friends at Mac Outdoors have reloading supplies as well as great clay target machines to get you prepared so you have more success in the field. Don't get that dirty look from your dog. Check out Mac Outdoors. Hey, this is Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. I want you to know that we buy all of our trucks at Boucher Automotive. We go to Janesville. They've got a great selection, great staff. If you're looking for a new truck or car, check out our friends at Boucher Automotive in Janesville. Welcome back to Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. Again, I'm going to shamelessly ask for you to promote this with your friends. Give us a five-star rating on Apple. Give us a thumbs up. Follow our podcast on any platforms. And if you can give a positive rating on those podcasts, please give it to us. Our podcast is rapidly growing. We have several wonderful sponsors supporting. We have several people that support it financially. If you want to support our podcast, you can go to the Anchor Support and you can commit, I believe, even $1 a day or $1 a month, which, hey, if everybody that we have listening committed $1 a month, we would be in such a great position. Everything that we have, we put back into the podcast. We aren't looking to profit on this. We are just trying to get our love out there for dogs and get more people involved with dogs in the field. If you're ever looking for a dog or looking for training, SoggyAcres.com is our website. I've been doing this over 20 years. My love for dogs is more than most, and our dedication to our clients is definitely better than all. So check us out, SoggyAcres.com. Now, on this part of the show, we are going to talk about when you get out to your spot and when you set your decoys and have time to let everything rest and calm down. Me personally, our teal season is upcoming. I'm looking at shooting hours. Shooting hours for teal season is sunrise. Our normal duck time would be 30 minutes earlier to that, but it is sunrise for teal for basically bird identification. So our sunrise on opening day is going to be right around 6.15. We'll just use that. I think it's a couple minutes before that, but we're going to use 6.15 as a nice round number. My goal is on the first day, we've got probably about a 15-minute Argo ride in the morning. So because we've got that far of a drive, we are going to leave at about 5 o'clock. We're going to get to where we need to be at 5.15. We will have a sled that will have all of our gear and organized for putting decoys out. I'm going to have everyone that is assigned their job on what they're going to do. We are going to pull up to the blind at 515. We'll have the decoys out, probably stick two spinners out and a flock of flickers out. We'll have all that out by about 530, take about 15 minutes. Then we'll go back. We will have someone else that is unloading the Argos, putting the stuff into the blind we will pull the argos in back we will get them set put away and be sitting there by about well, i'd say probably 5 30. now if it was regular duck season i could shoot at 5 45 which would be the half hour earlier i would probably have that bumped 15 minutes ahead 
but I want to be there. I want to have everything so that it's quiet. It's resting. All of our headlamps are, are off and we're sitting in the blind, just quietly talking, waiting for that first flight of birds that's legal to shoot. And why do I want a half hour before shooting? I don't know how many times I've had birds land in my decoys and stay there so that you have something right at first shooting where when that first group comes in, you're not only shooting at that group, but you've got the birds that are coming up out of your decoys. So you get a great morning rush. Now I will say full forthright that a lot of times we get one or two birds out of that because you, uh, you just don't shoot well enough on that first group, but at least you have that morning flurry where everyone gets to empty their gun. There's birds flying everywhere. You think you knock this one down, knock that one down. You end up with two, three birds, but what a great rush to start the beginning of your waterfall season when that moment comes. So again, I try to have it so that my decoys are in the water. We're back at the blind 30 minutes before any shots would be fired. And it gives you a chance just to kind of get yourself calmed down, get yourself ready to go and ready to roll. I hope that helps. I know there's a lot of new people that listen to our uh, to our podcast, uh, new people as in people that are new to hunting. My goal is always to get more people involved in hunting. Try to take out new people. This year, I've got uh, two new uh, older gentlemen that are my age that are going to go out. We're going to take them out, show them what duck hunting is all about. Hopefully we can get them hooked. If you do that, we grow our sport. We all prosper. Again, thank you so much for listening to our show. I know there's a lot of different podcasts out there. It's humbling that our podcast is growing and doing so well. I do appreciate it. Everyone have a great week. Everyone be excited for the season. This is what we've all been waiting for. And God bless. Sporting dog adventures run, boy.